It's good to be here with you this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you're wanting to follow along, we're going to be in John chapter 3 this morning. We'll do a little bit in John chapter 2, but then quickly move into John chapter 3. It's been great to, to be singing together with you, taking the Lord's Supper together. Appreciate the songs, appreciate the, the words. Um, I'm excited about our study today. We've been talking about the mission of God and learning about how uh, God has a mission for His people. And it's important for us to recognize that that mission is possible. And it's important to recognize that mission is critical. And it's important for us to remember that the mission is people. Uh, it's not to just show up on Sunday mornings and to follow through with some routines, but it's to reach into the hearts and the lives of the people who are around us and to help guide them to the truth. Uh, and that is ultimately our mission and our goal in our lives. Uh, each and every Sunday, whenever we come together, we have that purpose. And every weekday, as we're out into the world, we have that purpose as the body of Christ, to reach into the lives of those around us. Now, now the last two weeks, we've looked at pretty similar stories. We looked at the story of the Samaritan woman, a woman who uh, was mostly rejected. There was a, a social barrier that was a fake barrier, artificial barrier that had been put there by men that says, you can't talk to this woman. You're a Jew. She's a Samaritan. Jesus didn't pay any attention to that. And he spoke to her and he talked to her about what she really needed. Uh, that she was missing something valuable, something fulfilling, and she was seeking that value and that fulfillment in sinful things in her life. Then we moved to, Zac to Zacchaeus, and uh, that was last week. And we saw an outsider, a tax collector, who was, would be rejected by the community, who <coughs> desired to see Jesus. He wanted more in his life than the riches and the wealth that he's enjoying. And so he, because he was a short man, was unable to see Jesus, so he decided to climb up a sycamore tree. And we talked about how all of us have to do that. We all have to climb our sycamore tree. It'd be a, a very uh, embarrassing kind of a thing to climb up a sycamore tree as an adult in order to see people, uh, in order to see Jesus. But Jesus comes right to, to Zacchaeus, and he says, I'm coming to eat at your house. We see Zacchaeus has this huge uh, desire to devote his life to Jesus, giving all that he half of what he has to the poor and paying back fourfold all that he's wronged. So we see, again, another picture of Jesus interacting with somebody who is an outsider. Well, today we're going to see a little bit of a different story. Uh, I wanted us to take at least one opportunity to look at Jesus with an insider. Okay, because as we go out into the world and we converse with people, we are going to meet people who are outsiders. We are going to meet people who are beyond some kind of artificial barrier that we're going to have to get past ourselves and whatever's culturally normal. And we're going to have to learn to embrace people who are very different than us. But now we see a story about someone who's very similar to us, someone who's, who's like us, someone who is religious. Uh, we're going to learn about the story of Jesus talking to Zacchaeus. And we're going to see some very interesting differences and similarities to how Jesus decides to talk with this man. Uh, if you're there with me in John chapter 3, let's actually start in John chapter 2 and verse 23. I do not like this chapter division. Uh, I think chapter, chapter 2, 23, and 24 are really helping set up, and 25 are helping set up chapter 3. Uh, it says, when Jesus was at Jerusalem at the Passover, verse 23, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, 
did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now notice as Jesus is uh, being revealed to us. He, is, he has gone to Jerusalem, to the temple. He's thrown over the tables of the money changers and those who are cheating the people out of money in order to make money at the temple. He's, he's not happy with that. He says, you guys are a den of thieves. You're, you're making my father's house into a marketplace. That's not what God intended it to be. And then we see it says, many believed in him because of these signs that he was doing. But what's interesting is, even though many believed in him, Jesus didn't believe in them. It says he did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. There are people who believe in Jesus who he says he doesn't trust. He doesn't believe in their belief. And now we have chapter 3 where we learn about a man verse 1, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. It says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, pause right there. Notice Nicodemus is coming to Jesus. And Nicodemus is a ruler uh, in, in Jerusalem. He's, a, he's, he's of the Sanhedrin council. Uh, this is a very religious, a very pious man, a very devoted man who's been living for God for a long time. He's seen Jesus overturn the tables, and it doesn't seem as though he's upset about it. He comes to Jesus and he says, We believe. Okay, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, notice in the statement, notice a couple things. First of all, when does he come to Jesus? At night. Why is he coming to Jesus at night? Why not come during the day? That's interesting. Uh, a man of his reputation probably doesn't want to be seen with Jesus, so he comes at night. And he comes to Jesus, and notice what he says. We know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, sounds like he believes that Jesus is a teacher come from God. That's a great thing. But who is Jesus really? Whenever you consider who Jesus really is, and you consider what Nicodemus is saying, you can see that there's a gap there. John has made it clear in his gospel up until this point, Jesus is the Son of God. And everybody who's seen his signs has come to that realization and come to that belief. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. The disciples said, You are the, Lamb, the, the Son of God. Nathaniel was one of them. Uh, and so they are, they are blown away, believing he is the Son of God. And this religious ruler comes in and says, We know, and there's a collective we, apparently there's a small group of Sanhedrin religious Jews who agree with him. We know that you are a teacher come from God. We've seen the signs. We believe. But he doesn't say, we know that you're the Messiah. So we see that in, G in, in Nicodemus, there's a man who believes, but not quite. And so Jesus responds with him. And, and you know, if we were Jesus and we were in that situation, 
we'd probably be pretty flattered, right? I mean, this is a member of the Sanhedrin Council. This is a man who is held in high regard among everybody. If we can just get him on our side, then how much easier would it be to reach all the people? So he says, great, you know that I'm a teacher of God. No. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's a jarring statement in this conversation. Nicodemus has told Jesus, we know you're a teacher come from God. Very flattering words. And Jesus has responded, truly, I say to you, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't really see who I am yet because you're not born again, Nicodemus. So that's essentially what he's trying to say to Nicodemus. Now, this is not a I'm so glad you're on our team kind of a statement. And in this, you see, Jesus doesn't need his affirmation. He doesn't need Nicodemus to like him or to agree with him or to make him feel better or to flatter him. But instead, Jesus has a mindset that says, I need to give you something that you need, Nicodemus. Not that you're going to offer me something if I do what you want, but I'm going to give you something that you really need. And so he points Nicodemus to what he really needs. Now, let's pause right here and let's kind of relate this to ourselves just a little bit and consider how we connect with people around us. You ever had conversations with somebody who uh, says all the right things? They go to church, you know, they, they live a life that's trying to be pleasing to God. And, and you know, they're just, they're, they're a lot like Nicodemus. They're very religious. And they, they accept, they mentally affirm all of the things that are true. And yet, there's something missing. And you don't quite feel like you can trust that this person has fully devoted their life to Christ. Well, that's, that's exactly how Jesus is realizing Nicodemus is. And this is why he's saying what he's saying. Unless you're born again, you can't really see the kingdom of God. Now that statement would have had huge significance to a Jew. The kingdom of God is, is a hugely important topic for the Jewish people. They were looking for the kingdom of God to come, for the new David to come, to establish his kingdom on the earth and to rule over all the nations of the earth. They were looking forward to that day. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see it. And so in that is kind of a riddle to Nicodemus. He doesn't quite understand what's going on. Uh, this idea that no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again is really hard for him. Look at verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, he doesn't get it. And his statement here shows he's stuck on a very literal interpretation of the things that Jesus is saying. Okay, so the kingdom of God, in order for, this, for me to see it come to fruition, I have to be born again. And, and essentially what you might be thinking he's saying is it's going to happen after my lifetime in the next generation or something along those lines. So he's trying to piece together, how can I be born again so that I can see it? And Jesus instead points him to a spiritual interpretation of what he said. And he's talking about a spiritual transformation. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Notice, Jesus' answer to Nicodemus is, you have to be born again. He doesn't change his answer. He says you have to be born again, but it's being born of the water and the spirit. And his explanation of what this all means is that you must understand what's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. And he says, this is, a, this is how you should understand this. The wind blows where it, where it wishes, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And so why is he saying that? It's kind of confusing, right? Well, let me put it to you like this. Have you ever felt the wind on your face? you ever heard the sound of the wind? But you can't see it. Does it exist? Is it real? Yes, but you can't see it. It's not physical. It's not something you can touch. So Jesus' response to Nicodemus is very clearly saying there is a spiritual realm that you cannot see and you cannot touch. And you must be born into that spiritual realm in order to receive the, the understanding and the knowledge and the insight of the things that are of the kingdom of God. You've been born of the flesh, but now you must be born of the spirit through water and the Spirit. Now, as you read through that, you see very clearly a, a reference to uh, the idea of baptism. And, and a lot of people will point to this text and, and point to baptism. And I think that's true, that water in this text has something to do with baptism. But I think that that's not the focus of this text. What he's talking about is a spiritual transformation, a spiritual renewal and so the difficulty of this, as Nicodemus says, how can these things be? The difficulty of this is in Nicodemus's life, he has lived for God. In the physical flesh world, he has devoted his life to God. He is a religious man, a devoted man. And so for him to think that he must be transformed from the inside out, from the spirit out, is really hard for him. He is very comfortable in his religiosity. He does all the right things, he thinks. And Jesus says, you are not good enough to see the kingdom of God. You must instead be born again. And so what he's really talking about is repentance. He's talking about a spiritual transformation, a spiritual renewal of the mind and the heart. That even though Nicodemus has somewhat lived for God, he hasn't fully given himself over to God. His living for God has been more for himself than it's been for God. And Jesus says that all has to change. Throughout the New Testament, we see this more clearly explained uh, in the book of Romans in chapter 6. Uh, there's this picture of baptism as, uh, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, we've been baptized into his death. We've been buried with Christ. 
And we've been raised to walk in newness of life. That's the new birth. That's the being born again idea that we find throughout the New Testament. And all of us must put to death the old man who lived on the basis of his works and on the basics of his righteousness and, and, and his religiosity. We must put it all to death and we must raise to walk with faith that God provides what we need what we can't attain for ourselves, forgiveness. And so Jesus is already pointing Nicodemus to this great insight, that those who are religious and those who are working so hard to be good and to have uh, the, the blessings of the kingdom of God must still in, enter into that submission and, and spiritual death and then become spiritually alive not, be, not on the basis of what they've done, but on the basis of what God's done for them through Jesus Christ. So what about us? As we think about this part of the text, what about us? In our lives, have we lived much like Nicodemus, trying to do all the right things in order to be good enough, in order for God to see us, and we believe that we'll see the kingdom of God because of how good we are? Or have we completely given up on that? and decided to devote our lives to Christ. You see, Nicodemus hasn't made that decision yet. As he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, we know that you're a teacher come from God. It becomes evident as he's there at nighttime, he has not yet committed his life to serving God. He's, he is still serving his own reputation. He's still serving uh, himself and, and how he feels and what's comfortable to him and what he enjoys. And he just wants a little understanding of Jesus and he wants a little taste of it and he wants the blessings, but he wants to hold on to all the things that he's enjoyed previously in his life. He's not willing to give up those things that he's acquired, that he's attained in his life in order to find Jesus as his sole treasure. Does that relate to any of us? That could be very true of, of quite a few of us. In fact, that could be very true of the person that you're talking to who is very religious and appears very righteous. And so Jesus is willing to speak into the life of Nicodemus and to express to him his most fundamental and basic and deepest need. He's not happy and content with the things that Nicodemus has accomplished thus far. And he doesn't say, that's good enough, that a boy. You seem devoted to me. Your heart's not really all mine, but that's enough. He says, I want your heart. And all these other things, they're just not that valuable compared to that. Well, Jesus continues and says, in response to how can these things be? Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the servant, as, as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now this is a little bit of a more confusing point, but 
Jesus is going from expressing the, the rebirth and the need for rebirth to expressing God's love and the path to salvation that we'll get to uh, in, in verse 16. And so as he's transitioning to that, he's kind of saying some really difficult things to, to make it clear. Nicodemus, you don't understand these things. This is supposed to be things that you know. You're a teacher of Israel. We're teaching from things we know. If you don't know these things, what are you teaching? How is it that you're out there teaching when you don't understand these very basic, elementary kinds of concepts? He says, if you don't understand these concepts, how are you going to understand the more difficult concepts that I have to share with you? And then he points to his own godliness. I have descended from heaven, and I will ascend back into heaven. And that's a statement of his Messiahship, that he is the Son of God. He's revealing that to Nicodemus and trying to help him understand. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, that symbol of sin that the people had to look at in order to be saved, so now God's, a symbol of God's love is going to be lifted up. Jesus is going to be lifted up on the cross and those who want to be saved are not going to be saved because of their righteousness, Nicodemus. But they're going to be saved because they look upon him and they believe that he's been given for their forgiveness. And so he's, he's bridging the gap from you must be transformed to explaining the salvation that God has given us with, with the most uh, wonderful verses that, that we find maybe in the New Testament. But all of this is telling us that we must look to Jesus for salvation, uh, that it's not enough for us to acknowledge that he's a teacher, uh, but that we must recognize he is the Son of God. He is descended from God, came down from heaven, becoming a man and living a life of suffering in, 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 in a sinful world and dying on a cross for our forgiveness. There's more expected than just the acknowledgement Jesus is a good teacher. How many of us have heard that from people around us? Uh, it's not enough. Instead, we must believe in him. And, and in saying that, he means more than just a little head nod. Yeah, I think Jesus is who he says he is. But he's saying, you must give me your life. The last verses of this chapter really point to that. Uh, the last verses of this section. Uh, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, and whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people have loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, there's a number of things to look at here. First of all, you see, he, he mentions eternal life. The kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom, a kingdom where eternal life is found. And everyone who wants to find it has to believe in Jesus. All who do works of God, he says, they walk in the light. And that, if you think about it, that one statement, which is kind of a summary of the latter part there, that would hurt, right? 
Where are they right now? They're in the dark. Nicodemus didn't come to Jesus walking in the light. He came to Jesus in the night. And so Jesus is really just flat out rebuking Nicodemus for coming to him at night. He is saying to Nicodemus, you are not in the light. You are in the dark. And if you want to inherit the blessings of the kingdom, if you want eternal life, then you got to get out of the dark, Nicodemus, and you got to come into the light. I didn't come to condemn the world, he said, but I came that the world might be saved through me. And so these words of Jesus are not intended to condemn and hurt Nicodemus, but they're intended to help him understand that the condemnation is just and that it's coming for all those who do not repent. And make a change for all those who are unwilling to walk in the light. Now, as we're talking to people, that's a hard thing to, to present and to confront people with the truth that they're, they're walking in the dark and understanding what that means. Uh, but that is very much what we see Jesus doing. He's not afraid to speak openly. And so we see a number of things we can apply uh, to ourselves as we're studying this. First of all, we see that like Nicodemus, we all have to be reborn. Every single one of us, there's no exception. You can't come to uh, the church building and just start partaking in all the religious activities and call it good. There has to be a giving of your life to Christ. There has to be a statement that you're making that I, am, I, I know the truth and I agree with the truth. And I submit to Christ. To know and to agree is great, but it's not enough. And so we must go beyond knowing and agreeing with the truth. And if you've been coming here for a long time and you've nodded your head and you've said, yeah, I agree. You may be a lot like Nicodemus. And all those people we talk to who are good people who go to church and all these kind of things may be a lot like Nicodemus. But there's something more that we need to do. There's submission. There's moving from the dark to the light. And so what, what keeps us from accomplishing this? What, what holds us back? What keeps us sitting back, unwilling to completely be reborn and renewed in our hearts and our minds? Well, the darkness is where the comfort is. That's where the darkness is. Nicodemus comes in the dark because it's uncomfortable to come in the day. If he were to walk up to Jesus and say, we know that you are the son of God. That would be the it. That would be it for him. Sanhedrin council, rejection, rejection from synagogues. I mean, he would be forfeiting all the things that he's worked for up until this point. And so we see the darkness is comfortable for us. What would you be giving up? If you were to come forward and come out of the darkness and, and be willing to step into the light where there's transparency, where there's openness about your failures and your sins, and where there's an open statement that I've not done what I should, but I need to make a change in my life to have eternal life. What is it that present, pre prevents you from accepting this. Well, it's really hard, right? I mean, to, to say, 
I'm not going to live that way anymore is hard, but to make it public, to make it known among all those around me that's going to compromise relationships and make things difficult for me in so many different ways, and yet that's exactly what Jesus says we all must do. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. We must be willing to step out unafraid and unashamed and say we are for Christ my life is lived with faith in the son of god who is lifted up on that cross and died for me are you willing to devote yourself are you willing to commit your life are you willing to open up the closets and the skeletons and reveal who you really are, and lay it all bare, because God sees it anyways, and give yourself to God. If we're going to apply this to ourselves, first of all, we have to make the spiritual transformation that Jesus has revealed to us. We have to be born again. We can't continue to live like we've always lived. We've got to be transformed. And if we're going to go out and consider our mission to be to speak to people around us, our standard can be no less. We can't have a good warm and fuzzy feeling about somebody who's very religious, who just says all the right things and seems to do all the right things. The expectation for a member of the body of Christ is that they would be willing to submit to God and devote their life to Christ. And the standard is not going to be lowered for anybody. And that's the way we have to look at it. As we're teaching people, as we're trying to reach people, we don't need to tell them, you just need to come to church. That's not the mission. That's not the goal. That doesn't get them where they're going to be, where they need to be. That gives them a false sense of security. What they need is to devote their lives to Christ. And that's what we need to share with them. And you know what? I won't be willing to share it with them if I myself am not doing it. I'll encourage them to do what I'm doing. Just come to church and make yourself feel better. But what we really need is for people to be transformed. To have a heart that is devoted to God. That's the most important thing. So in this story we see our mission is to speak deep spiritual truths to those who need to hear them and in the case of the Samaritan woman and in the case of Zacchaeus those spiritual truths are a little bit easier for those of us who go to church and those of us who've been very religious we've overcome a lot of the struggles that they've had and so we can speak into the deep things but it's hard to confront them but that's what we're supposed to do but here we see also that we're supposed to speak into the deep things that we need to address and that people like us need to address. We can't be content with compliance to rules and regulations. We need complete and utter devotion to God from the heart. A person who's willing to completely turn their lives upside down in order to give it all to Christ. And we need to be that way. If that's our expectation for other people. So in this, we see that we're going to need a lot of empathy, we're going to need a lot of compassion, and we're going to need a lot of focus.
to be sure that we're doing the right things in order to help others become what they're supposed to be. Uh, we're going to need to be understanding with the, the people who are walking in the darkness and unwilling to expose the difficulties of their lives because the truth is we also struggle with the same kinds of things. We need to be willing to uh, focus on that commitment that they need in order to be saved, in order to have eternal life. We need to be willing to engage with them. We need to be courageous. We need to be bold. We need to state the truth in a very loving way. Make sure that everybody walks into heaven and enjoys eternal life in the eternal kingdom. I hope that this has helped you as it's helped me. This has been a wonderful study. We actually studied it in the Starbucks uh, in Saraland uh, a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't planning to talk about this, and I was like, oh, oh it's Monday. I was like, oh, this is it. I've got I've to study this. This is so good. I hope that helps you, uh, and I hope that it helps you to just think about and consider your own life. Have you really been born again? Have you really committed your life to Christ and decided to be completely transformed? Have you been born of the flesh? Well, we all have, but have you been born of the Spirit? Has that really happened in your life? Or did you just do what everybody told you to do in order to check the box and be considered a member of the church? You can't hold on to the old way of life of self-seeking and selfishness and receive all the blessings. you got to move from that old way into the new. You've got to devote your life to Christ. And we're here to help. It's the hardest thing that we do, but it's a blessing and it becomes the easiest thing and we become really amazed that it took us so long to do it. If you're like me, I mean, it's just like, why did I wait so long for this? Like, just do it and get it over with. If you've been coming all your life and you've been baptized and you were focused and you were, you were completely devoted but something happened and tore you away from God and you started living the old way again, you're not called to be, be baptized again, you're called to repentance and trusting in the blood of Jesus to provide forgiveness of your sins, you should mentally renew your mind and your heart and devote your life to Christ so that you can go out and reach the lost around you and bring them in with a good heart and a clear conscience, knowing that what you're calling for them to do is the same thing that you yourself have done. I hope that this helps you. Uh, I hope that if you're here today, that there's nothing holding you back from devoting your life to Christ and allowing him to, to renew you and to sanctify you and, and make you into what he wants you to be. I love how at the end of John, John reveals to us Nicodemus coming and helping Joseph of Arimathea take the body of Jesus down from the cross, unashamed, unafraid of what people might think, and helping bury the body of Jesus. We see that the words of Jesus here sunk in, and maybe it took him a long time, but after he finally saw Jesus on the cross, he got it, and he was willing to devote himself to Christ. Is that you? Do you get it now? Are you willing to devote yourself to Christ? Let us know what you need. Please come forward as we stand and as we sing. <clears throat>